Turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 19. And also, if you would uh, stand as we do that, we're going to read God's Word together. If you do not have your Bible here today, that's okay. We're going to put the verses up on the screen. I encourage you on the way out. We have a Next Step Center that you can pick up a Bible at and bring that back. That's yours. Uh, Bring it back here often. Read through it. But it, it is yours to keep. But let me read here out of Exodus chapter 19. As I think about um, the new journey that we are on as a community here at First Baptist, kind of a new day, a new journey, I I think about the Israelites and the community of God that they were and the new journey that they were on as they were coming out of Egypt, as they had gone past Pharaoh and the Red Sea and now are walking kind of into the wilderness area. They stand at Mount Sinai, the base of Mount Sinai, and here's what God tells Moses. I'm going to pick it up in Exodus 19, verse 4. It says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. It says in verse 7, So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now let me just pause for a moment there, because the picture here is of the elders who have now come, the leaders of the leaders, and so we have thousands of people coming before Moses, and they all answer to him. In fact, it's the last line up on the screen, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So I want to hear us say that in unison as the people of God. Would you say that with me, the last line? Go. All that the elder has spoken, we will do. Say it one more time. All that the Lord has spoken. We will do. That sounds good. In fact, I'd quit right now if we could do that. Right? Right? The people saying, all that the Lord has spoken, we'll do. It goes on. It says, and Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you. And may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to uh, words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, "Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people." Now jump over to verse eight, uh, seventeen with me. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Let's pray. God, I thank you that if you answer as you did in the Old Testament with smoke and fire and thunder, 
or whether you answer as you did in the Old Testament through a still, quiet voice. We can still know it's you. And so today, Lord, I pray that as we are in your presence, the presence of the great I am, that we will now hear your voice as it is spoken through the reading of your word. We will hear your voice as it is spoken through my feeble lips. Lord, but most of all, we will hear your voice as it is related to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. May we hear what you have to teach us today. We love you. That's why we're here. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me kind of set the stage of the reading that I just read to you. The Israelites have gone out of the land of Egypt. They've left Pharaoh, gone to the Red Sea. They marched to the Promised Land. There's nearly two million of them who are now at the base of this mountain, Mount Sinai. And this scene takes place about 50 or 60 days into their exodus out of the land of Egypt. And so Exodus 19 opens up with these people who are standing at the foot of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And the Bible says that Moses appeared before the Lord and spoke to him. And this begins a very intriguing encounter, probably one of the most intriguing encounters that we face in the Old Testament of hearing from the Lord. And so if you have your outline, if you would take that out, and we're going to talk about expecting a God encounter. I'm just going to bring out a few principles uh, into um, this reading that we can relate with us today. And so the first one is this. As we read this story, it comes at the beginning of it, is to remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness to us. Again, as we are headed into this new day and this new territory of our First Baptist community, I pray that at the start of this kind of this new venture, that we remember how God has been so faithful to First Baptist and so faithful to us personally in the recent history. In fact, go to verse 4 again. Let me read that one in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 4. Again, God tells Moses, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Get a load of the word picture that's here. We know that as, as mother eagles push their baby eagles out of the eagle's nest, oftentimes teaching them to fly, they will fly underneath the eagle. They will be there for support. They will be there for encouragement. They will be there to catch, in fact, the eaglet as it maybe cannot fly at first. And so God is drawing upon this imagery here. He's saying, you've come out of Egypt. Remember what I did to the Egyptians. Remember how they were going through the Red Sea. Remember how they were drowned. Remember how I took care of you. Even in your slavery, I took care of you. Remember now where you are as you're heading into this new venture. I'm going to take care of you. Even as the eagle does it to its baby. The wind beneath my wings. I can hear a Bette Midler song coming right there, can't I? Huh? The wind beneath my wings. He's saying, I will always be there to support you in your time of trouble. And so here's what I want to just encourage you to do today. As you're entering into this, I want you to think of for a moment of a time when God has been there for you. Now that may be easy to forget or or not remember when we're going through some difficult times or going through some difficult days. But I want you to recall a moment when God has been there for you. Because as Scripture says, and it says out of Lamentations 3.23 about God's mercies, it says they are new every morning. In fact, those familiar words, great is thy what? Great. 
is thy faithfulness. Saying, God, you are faithful, you are reliable, you are trustworthy, your word can be depended upon over and over and over and over again. That's, just, that's who our God is. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Jim let it slip that I was a Dodger fan, and um, you, you still voted me in, so thank you, I, I do appreciate that. Um, but but I, I just kind of want to draw upon a lesson that I learned as a Dodger fan a number of years ago. It was the last time the Dodgers were in the World Series, which seems like 100 years ago, but I, I think it was in 1988, and they were playing the Oakland A's. Oral Hershiser was a pitcher, a young pitcher at that time, and um, he was pitching here at the Oakland Coliseum. I think it was on the day that the Dodgers won the World Series. He was out on the mound, and as the camera zeroed in on his face, you could see his lips kind of moving, almost as though he was talking to himself. The cameras also focused on him when he was in the dugout. And again, he was kind of by himself. Sometimes he would even have a towel over his head, but he was just saying some words to himself. And um, he was asked about that on, on a late night talk show after the Dodgers had, had won that game. And the late night talk host said, said, what were you doing those times? What were you saying to yourself? And here's what he said. He said, there was such incredible pressure out there. I was pitching in front of thousands of people in the stadium. I was pitching in front of hundreds of thousands, millions on television, United States and around the world. He said, and the thing that brought me the most peace was to sing to myself some of the hymns that I had learned when I was a young child in my church. That's what he was doing. He was singing hymns to himself, and one of the hymns that he was singing to himself was, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And he didn't care if he won. He didn't care if he lost. He just wanted a sense of God's presence in his life and to remember how God's presence can bring him to that place of just knowing, God, you are here right now and you are faithful no matter what happens to me right now. When I was going through the Candidate experience, there were nights when I would just hum those words, even sing those words to myself as I was preparing for bed just to remember and to recall, God, I don't know where you have my wife and I headed. I don't know if it's here or someplace else, but I know that you are faithful. Great is your faithfulness. This week, as you go through something, or even in the next weeks or months, remember those words. Great is your faithfulness. That God will be faithful as he is in the past. He will be in the future. And this is not just as individuals, but think about how faithful God has been to this church here at First Baptist Church. I mean, for 160 years, he has been faithful to First Baptist. So many people serving in the name of Jesus here at First Baptist at this ministry. Your tithes, your offerings, your gifts continuing to bless the ministry here at the church as well as the city, as well as around the world. I said we have two mission teams right now, about 50 people on the mission field. Some of them carrying project money to make a difference in Alaska and Mexico because of your faithfulness of how you have given. I think about the attendance that has continued to increase. I think about already this, um, in the last couple of months, 55 new people stepping up and saying, we want to be members here at First Baptist Church. 41 people saying, we want to be baptized and recognize that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I mean, that, that is a church where God is making things happen. He's bringing about change. He, he, he's changing people's lives one person at a time and people saying, we're a part of this. We're in on this. God is so faithful. He changes lives. And so here's what I want you to do just for a moment. This is a little different. I want us just to pause, though, right in the middle of this message time and remember a time when he has been faithful to you.
personally. It could have been something here at church. It could have been something in your life. It could have been a major life decision or just a little one. Write down, if you would, take a piece of paper on, on your outline, get a pen or a pencil, and just write in the margin. I'm going to give you about 20 or 30 seconds here. Just write yourself a note that reminds you of a situation that God has been faithful to you. Okay? Let's do that, just in the quietness of the sanctuary. You know, I hope that a situation arose quickly. If not, if you can't remember the time or the last time that God was faithful to you in a great way, perhaps you've been out of a little bit of community. Because one of the things that we celebrate and that we do in community, be that a Sunday school class, be that a small group, be that people that you know who are part of the family of God, is we remind one another how faithful God has been. Many of you probably wrote something down instantly. Uh, That tells me you're probably in community. You're probably very aware of God's presence in your life. But if you had a little bit of problem or difficulty in that, I want to challenge you to take a step that I'm going to talk about here in just a bit about being in community because there is such value that that brings to reminding us how good God is to us. In fact, look at the verse there out of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. It's up on the screen. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations, God is faithful. And I pray as we're embarking on a new journey that we will never forget how faithful God has been in the past, but how faithful he will continue to be in the future. And that's really the second point that I have there on the outline is this. Celebrate your future. First Baptist, celebrate where we are headed. Celebrate what God is going to do in the midst of us. Look at verse 5. It says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant... You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now again, I want to I draw you back into the text here and remember what is taking place. Two million strong are at the base of this mountain. And now Moses is talking to the leaders, to the elders, and he's telling them, you're a treasured possession. Now, to us that might sound, well, these are always God's people. What's the big deal about that? No, no, no. Go back in history and see what's taking place here. This is a vagabond group of nomads. They have been in slavery for hundreds of years. In fact, just 50 or 60 days before, they were still in slavery. So they are these nomads. They are nobodies. They are poor. They have no influence. They have no political clout. And as they stand before God... Moses gets the message, tell them they are my treasured possessions. Now that might not sound unique to you, but it did to them. And I have a hunch that it's pretty unique to some of you. 
Because some of you look around and you say, well, yeah, you know, they may be a treasure possession or that person kind of looks like they have their life together or that person has a job right now or that person has the education to go forth in this life or that person lives in... I don't. Uh Uh-uh. God says this about every one of us in here. You're a treasure possession. That's what the scripture says right there. It says it in plain text there in verse 5. You are my treasured possessions. And that translates to us thousands of years later. God thinks that same way for us. That he is crazy about us. In fact, let me just kind of illustrate this. One of my favorite stories that illustrates this is out of a newspaper in San Diego years ago of a woman who uh, lost the diamond uh, ring, not only the diamond, but the whole ring of her, her wedding ring. She uh, often would take her wedding ring off to do her makeup or such when she got out of the shower and prepare herself. And so she thought, well, maybe I left it in the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom, could not find it anywhere, could not find it under the counter, didn't slide into the sink. It, it was not there. So she said, well, the only other place I often take it off is at the sink. I'm doing dishes or cooking and such. And so she went there to look and, and thought, maybe I slid it off of the counter into the trash can. And so she looked in the trash can. She pulled open the place where she'd keep the trash and the trash was empty. She calls up her husband who was already at work and says, Honey, did you take out the trash last night? He said, Yes, as good husbands should, right? Did you take out the trash? Yes, go see if it's out in the street. So she goes out to the street, sees that the lid is already open to her trash can, immediately recognizes the trash is already left. Does not know if it's in the trash, but begins to say, It is nowhere else in my house. I have to search for my wedding ring. She goes back in and calls the waste management company and says, uh, What time did the trash person come by here today they told her said well where would they be right now and so she gets the street and location about where uh, they would be she tracks them down flags them down gets besides the truck and says uh did you already take my trash to the dump or is it in the back of your truck he says i'm sorry ma'am i've already taken it to the city dump she says where did you take it to in the city dump he says well i drive in there usually go around to the back go to the right she says great i'm on my way so she calls ahead says can i come in they said sure if you want but good luck on finding that she goes into the the city dump she begins to look after pile after pile after pile after pile after pile you can imagine what that scene would be like but she goes to where she believes that truck would have dumped her trash and she looks through it and she sees a section of trash bags that are a lot like the ones that she has at her home and she begins to go them one by one by one by one one bag at a time through each piece of trash and finally in a can of refried beans she finds her wedding ring Now, I think of a story like that, and I think of how much value a wedding ring has for us. Multiply that by a thousand upon a million. That's how much value you have in God's sight. Some of you, when I say that, you look down because you don't think you're worthy of that. You are. That's what God's word says to you. That's how valued you are. That's what kind of treasure you are in God's sight. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what he is calling you today is to become more like his son Jesus. To work on your character so that your value stays the same. But his calling on your life is to become more like his son. And if today you have not accepted Christ into your life, his call to you is to say, why not? Why not? Because I value you. You're lost, but I want to find you. That's why we do things like the National Back to Church Sunday. Because there are people in our community 
who need to be reminded how valuable they are. There are people who have even been in our church and in our community who need to be reminded. There are people in the world today who don't hear that message from any place else. And they need to know that they have value. They need to know that they are treasured by God. It goes on to say here that you are also a chosen priest. I, have that, I think I have that down for one of the outlines. Yes, that God has called you, called me, to be a chosen priest. It doesn't just stop by saying, hey, you have some value, or treasure, possession. It also says that you are chosen priests. And you need to realize that today. That is not just for someone who's in the clergy. That is not just for someone who goes to seminary. That was spoken to literally an entire nation in the Old Testament. You were slaves. No, no, no. You're my priests. You're my royal nation. In fact, this comes out strongly in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verse 9. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal, you see the word there? A royal what? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been called a priest by God. In fact, some of you don't believe that right now. So what I'm going to have you do is turn and look at someone next to you and say, you are a priest. All right? Can you say that to one another? You are a priest. You're a priest. You're a priest. All right, would you say this now with me? Would you say, I am a priest? Say it. I am a priest. That's what God has called you to. Whether you like it or not, if you've accepted Christ. Now, what does it mean to be a priest? I wrote this down in the box. What it means to be a priest is that you have direct access to God. Now you have direct access to God. We have a doctrine in the Baptist church that is called the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer. Meaning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a priest. You no longer have to go to a priest. You don't have to confess your sins to a priest. You get to be a priest that has direct access to God. That's what God's Word says about you. You can talk to him, he can talk to you. In fact, you know, for probably 10 or 15 years now, we've had these little earphone pieces that are connected to your smartphones. Have you seen these? Like when people are driving in their car and they just have this little earphone piece and it has a microphone there and they're talking. You know, about 10 or 15 years ago when I would see people talk in their car, I would think something was wrong because no one else is in their car, but they're talking, right? And they're saying words, but nobody's in there. Well, you don't see the little earpiece that's in their ear. We have the same type of thing. God talks directly to us. We can talk directly to him. As a priest, that's what you now get to do. You have direct access to God. I'll give you a second thing that's on that outline there, though. It's that you also represent God to people. You represent God to people. That's what the very word talks about, being a priest. A priest speaks on behalf of God. He represents God. In fact, do you realize this morning, if you are a Christ follower... You carry the reputation of God around with you. People look at your life. If they know you're a Christian, if they know you go to First Baptist, they look at your life and they said, well, that must be what God is like. They do. 
And we need to be people who don't judge others. We need to be people who represent God to anyone and everyone. We need to be people who are aware of that. We need to be people who are open to anyone. In fact, when we um, were looking at this National Back to Church Sunday, I, I came across another video that uh, was pretty telling on, on what we need to do uh, to be open to be that representative to other people, anyone and everyone, not just some people, but anyone and everyone. So I'm going to show you another video that just kind of reminds us of our responsibility as a priest. Take a look at this. The old saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover. And it's true. Don't look at that person who ends up next to you and say, that person is way too different from me. I could not invite him to my church. I can't have my friends see me bringing this guy in. We need to see others as Christ sees them, with a holy compassion for the lost. You know what? We all need God, no matter what the person looks like or how different they are from you. As Christians, we are responsible to reach out to those around us. Their eternity depends on it. We need to stop worrying about the opinions of others. We need to open our eyes. New opportunities are put in front of us every single day to come out of our comfort zone, open our mouths, and speak these simple words. Hey man, if you're not doing anything this weekend, uh, check this out. We're doing something cool at our church. So. Gotcha, huh? All of us represent God to people. If people look at your life as someone who judges or excludes or thinks, ah, that person wouldn't want to come to our church, they think your God doesn't want them at your church. If you're angry and mean, use profanity at work, they think your God is angry and mean. But if you're loving, if you're caring, if you're compassionate, if you're patient with people, if you're forgiving, people then think that they know a God who they want to get to know and to meet. As a priest, you represent God to people. Let me give you one more. As a priest, you've got to understand that you have also dedicated your life to serving God. You say, I didn't sign up for that. Well, yeah, you did. When you came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you signed up to say, God, I am yours. It's not just about some, you know, vocational choice. It is a calling. In fact, let me say it this way. Your strongest devotion should not be to your career, but it should be to your calling. Your strongest devotion shouldn't be to your profession, but it should be to know that you are a priest. It should be to your priesthood. And your strongest devotion shouldn't even be to your family. It should be to your father, your heavenly father. To say, God, what do you have for me? How do you want me to serve? How do I need to be faithful to you? Our job is to stay faithful and serve God as priests in our lives. And I know sometimes that can be exhilarating. Sometimes that can be so exciting. Sometimes that can be victorious and you feel great with what you're doing. Other times it can be hard. It can be lonely. In fact, you can be misunderstood many times. But if you're faithful to him, he will be faithful back to you. When um, 
I was going through the Candidate experience. It was actually even before when I knew that Pastor Jim was leaving and I was exploring what God wanted me to do with being a senior pastor. And the next step in that, I, I had read some books on becoming a senior pastor and just some of the differences and even starting a brand new ministry and what it would be like in those opening days and, and years or so. And uh, Lyle Schaller, he, he writes, wrote some great books on this and I, I read it about... And I highlighted and dog-eared a, a, a page of what it would be like as I stepped into a new ministry. Here's what he said. Here was his advice. He said, brace yourself, honor the past, be yourself, and do what's right. I thought, good advice. I, I, I'll do all of those. And then he said this. He said, the first year may feel unfair, but then it will get better. I thought, okay, you know what? New year, one year, we can stick that out. Things I went back and I read that after I was voted in as the pastor here. And it didn't say the first year may be unfair. It said the first years may be unfair. <laughs> but you know what? We all can feel that sometimes. And there are, we all will experience those days where we may be understood or maybe we'll be lonely or it'll be hard. But we do it together. And the more we come together and say, hey, are we making a difference? Are we being priests in our community? The more we'll gain that encouragement and remember how faithful God is. And so let me get to the next point, and that is this, on the back page. That the story also talks about committing with the community. Doing it together. God challenged an entire nation to obey Him and follow Him wholeheartedly. And the people responded back to God. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people back to the Lord. We will do. In fact, on your outline, if you would circle the word together, they did this together. It wasn't as individuals. This is what I want to remind you of here today. If you are a part of First Baptist Church... You are not just some individual person coming in here and worshiping the Lord God on your own. You are coming in together with a family. Throughout Scripture, it talks about how much we are a community, how much we are a family, how much we are a church, how much you are and I am part of the body of Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, Paul addresses that and says, you're connected to me and I'm connected to you. We're a part of the body together. I thought, First Baptist, do we function like that? Do we do that? Do we get into community? Are we in a part of a family where we can answer with one another? You know, some of you are. If you're connected beyond just here at Sunday morning, you have community, you have fellowship, you, have, you are being a part of the body. But if you're not, then you're missing out. And I know that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us here in this worship center, even here right now, who are not connected to the body like God asks us to and like the Bible describes. That's why I want to start to do things a little bit differently around here. In fact, on September 29th, we're going to have a barbecue right underneath that oak tree at the 1030 service or uh, at the 1030 hour right after the 930 service where I hope that you will stay, be a part of that and where you will get to meet some people who you didn't know that was a part of this body. Well, you will just do things a little differently where you won't just come here on Sunday morning and then leave, check off your box and say, hey, great, we took care of that. But you will intentionally say, how can I connect with some other people? 
In fact, on the slide right before the worship service began, it said, welcome to the family room. Well, there's a lot of things that we can't do in here that you can do in your actual family room. What happens in your family room? You engage with one another. You talk to one another. You share at more of a deeper level. And that's why coming up here in October, we're going to launch community groups that will actually meet in homes. You say, well, that, that, that's getting a little too involved. It's what you have been called to. Sunday morning, 9.30, is not all it is to being a Christian. Stepping outside of that, we need to be committed to one another. We need to help one another as one another needs to help us. In fact, a few years ago, I, um, I went to one of our diaconate board meetings tonight, and I just asked the deacons, I said, can you tell me how you got connected around here at First Baptist? I don't remember who the moderator was at the time. I don't know, remember who the leader was. I don't even remember who the people were in that room. But I do remember this. Over and over and over and over again, virtually every one of them said, I got connected around here when I took a step beyond Sunday morning. When I got involved in a small group, when I got involved in a community group, when I got involved in a Sunday school class where someone knew me and I knew them. And I thought, if our church is going to grow, if our church is going to be what God has called it to be, we have got to do that same sort of thing. And many of them said, you know, it was back when we did the 40 days of purpose, or it was back when we did the 40 days of community that my wife and I, or I got connected into the singles ministry, or whatever. So you know what? We need to do that. And so in October, what we're going to be asking is for as many of you as possible to connect beyond just Sunday morning and get connected into some sort of a community group in your homes. And so we're going through right now and just saying if anyone would like to lead a group like that or if anyone would like to open up their home to host a group like that, I would love to see dozens and dozens and dozens of dozens of communities around our city of Stockton meeting in homes, studying what God has to teach us. We're going to talk about it on Sunday morning. We're going to enforce it on Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays or Sunday nights or Mondays, whatever day you want to meet. We will grow so much more when we get it, the message twice. We will grow so much more when it's enforced, and you will grow so much more when you do it within a community of believers as well. You don't want to miss that. In fact, if any of you are willing to be a leader or a host for those kind of groups, just follow or talk to me afterwards. Our training times in the next couple of weeks. We want to get you in on that. It's what God has called us to do. You'll hear more about that in the upcoming weeks, but let me continue on with the story. I love this part in chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today. Tomorrow, let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. In other words, what he is saying is get ready. As a community, be ready for a God encounter. Be ready, be ready. In fact, that's the last point in your outline there. Get ready for a God encounter. If you are willing to take a step with God, if you are willing to do what he asked you to do, if you are willing to be a part of this body, if you are willing to go the next step and be a part of a community of believers in the home as well, or possibly in the Sunday school class, however you like that to be, get ready for a God encounter. In fact, skip over to verse 17. 
It says, Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. But notice now how they approached God. This is interesting. Jump over one chapter into chapter 20, verse 18. Last verse I'll read. It says, And when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. That's where the story now doesn't align with where we are now today. Because now we have a different story. Now we have Jesus who went to the cross for us. That means that we now get to approach God. We live on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of what God has done for us by the cross. We can approach him without fear. Jesus made that access to God the Father. In fact, Jesus understood what it meant to be in community as well. We see him in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It went with his, new, uh, with, his, with his disciples, 12 of them, in community. He gathered together with them on the day before he was crucified and said, let's break bread together. He said, I want you to drink of this as well. And the words that he used, Paul pens in 1 Corinthians, when he says this, Jesus gathered with his disciples. He said, disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this for as often as you drink. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus understood what it was to be in community. Jesus modeled for his disciples what that was like. And so today, as we come, I just want to encourage you to remember God's faithfulness and to remember now you have direct access to him. You are his priest. Even as you take this offer, this uh, communion tray, and pass it one to another, remember that's how God allows us to serve one another, doing that as a body and as a family. For you to partake of this, you do not have to be a member here at First Baptist, but you do have to be a part of the community. You do have to be a part of the fellowship that says, yes, I believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you are, take some moments before it comes. Prepare your heart. Consecrate it as the scripture says. Admit things that may be getting in the way of you and God. And then take it with bold confidence. Great confidence to know that Jesus going to the cross has done this for you.